0: Welcome to the first episode of Doxed. This first episode is a safety AMA hosted in the Quarter Machine Discord. I hope you enjoy, and we'll see you in chat. Okay, so uh everybody, welcome to uh this uh kind of cool little uh safety NFT um I don't know, let's call it like a like a forum, open forum. I want mean, you guys to feel that you can ask questions to uh to Tim. Uh Tim is uh not legal advice uh up there uh and tim is a great dude i don't want to uh i don't want to butcher your title what you do so tim please uh step in tell everybody a little bit about yourself your role within qm uh maybe your background that way they know uh what they can kind of target with asking you questions and and getting your uh your feedback and advice on
1: yeah sure thing so yeah you can call me tim um I'm an attorney by education, to be clear, and hence my name here, right? Nothing I'm saying today should be construed as legal advice. I'm not telling you guys what to do, but my education—I um, am an attorney. I'm also the controller at Quarter Machine, operations controller, so I work really closely with with the rest of the team, um, and I kind of uh, coordinate uh, with DevOps and, and other other sides there. So I kind of see a lot of what's going on. Uh, I study. Um, blockchain regulation academically Um, I write about it sometimes and yeah just generally a fan of the space so um, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about myself but (laughs) if you guys have any questions like feel free to to wing them at me what I'm going to do is try to go over a couple of best practices I want a couple of people to lead off with questions actually if that's okay Uh, maybe misconceptions things they think um, about maybe wallets, uh, smart contract interactions. I, w- I want to kind of start there. And we'll kind of go out from there and let it meander. We can talk about OpenSea, what might have happened. Um, and we can talk about other stuff too, right? Like, you know, I'm here for it. So um, if anybody wants well, to kick us, go for it. But
0: Yeah, I'll I'll jump in because I know it was something that I was curious about. And we were talking very briefly uh, about in main chat when we, uh, when we were all kind of experiencing... Uh, what was going on with OpenSea, and that was um, confiding in or having safety in hardware wallets for holding your NFTs. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it considered best practice? What should we know about it? Uh, is it something we sh- all should be doing or kind of your take on um, the physical physical ledger space?
1: Yeah, so I, I use a hardware wallet. I think it is a good practice. Um... I, I, you know, the best way to think about it, and I tried to, I was trying to hint at this in in the chat, but chat's chat, and it gets buried really easily, right? What what a hardware wallet does is it gives you a, a a pin, it gives you um, it gives you local control over some private keys, which should never be shared anyway, and it adds an extra threshold of security between um, basically you and an action that you're willing to authorize. So instead of simply clicking OK in MetaMask, there's an extra step, right? So where this might help is if somebody were to gain access to your MetaMask, um, but it's not you, or if somebody were wanting to purport to be authorizing something um, from your wallet, uh, they they would need that hardware verification to do that. Um, What that doesn't do is provide any security after that authorization right it doesn't do anything to validate what you're doing it doesn't do anything to um it's not protecting the validity of what what you're saying to do it's just adding that threshold maybe sort of like a like a this is going to be a bad example guys so you know i'm sorry but or an oversimplification but think of like a pin number with your debit card a pin number means somebody can't use your card without the pin, right? But it doesn't mean that the thing you're buying isn't a scam. Does that, I hope that makes sense. Sure.
0: No, th- that's good analogy. Um, now, maybe, maybe without getting super technical, because I actually don't understand. Is it more or less like a key to the account is what it's looking like? Like when you said it's a pin based on like your say credit card like that analogy is a hardware wallet something that's physically storing the nfts where if it's lost your stuff is gone or is it something that simply is a a physical uh connect that will verify your ownership to then unlock it for visibility
1: yeah so sort of so basically um hardware wallets don't actually hold or store any of your your tokens right that's maybe an initial mission so you're not putting them onto the wallet right Um, everything still always lives on the blockchain what it does is the hardware wallet stores your private key so it it keeps the private key um on the hardware device and basically it, it controls the interaction right between the blockchain and your key so um that's really what it's doing at a slightly more technical level than than I said the first time. So they let you sign and confirm transactions like many of you may have done through MetaMask or through other Web3 tools. They let you do that through a piece of hardware rather than just through like a browser extension, which is software, right? So th- that's a little bit of the distinction. Um, it requires that somebody have that physical device rather than somebody have, you know,
0: your your you know, Chrome browser. That makes sense. Um, Let me ask you this, Uh, considering it kind of like a key, something that's going to hold uh, your, your password, the access to, can you have multiple keys? Can you have ledgers, multiple ledgers in different places that will open the same uh, wallet on blockchain? Or is it one-to-one?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to, I I, I think I understood what you said. And if I, don't answer it, then just let me know. but you can have multiple you can have multiple wallets, I guess, is what I would say, and you can have multiple keys, but they are kind of one to one. so one private key is gonna essentially be linked to one wallet. um and I'm for the purposes of this, I'm leaving out things like elaborate systems and multi-sig stuff. but anyway, like the the best way to think of it is if you have a if you have a a hot wallet, if you have a software wallet with no hardware, your private keys are at some point, they are exposed to the internet, right? Whether they're communicated to you via the internet, or you communicated them, or somehow they've touched the internet, your private key, which is the thing that you would never, ever, 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 ever share. Hardware wallet, private keys exist on the hardware, they never see the internet. So provided you don't Disclose them and you don't share them. There's no way they can have been compromised. That's why it's called a cold wallet, right? The the private key information Was was never exposed to the openness of the internet, so it can't be stolen From some sort of like transmission across the internet. So it's just a, a way to keep your private keys completely removed from the internet and keep them on hardware and keep them from being compromised or potentially compromised through any sort of malicious activity online. Um, in terms, I think another question you asked, uh, did you ask something about if you lo- what happens if you lose your hardware
0: wallet? Was that it? Yeah, or something? I think you essentially said no. And the question really to like simplify it was like, can I have a backup ledger or is yeah, it...
1: But- Good question. Not really. Um, What you do, a hardware wallet, just like many software wallets now, is secured by a seed phrase. So um, uh, you do get a recovery phrase, right, which is commonly a list of words, you know, whether it's, you know, 12 words or I think you should probably know that. But, you know, it's like it's a string of words. and, And that recovery phrase can be used to move. Your, your, like, if you have a ledger, you can move those private keys to a different ledger with your recovery phrase. So you do have a recovery mechanism in the event something's lost. But you, you wouldn't see, it wouldn't be the case. Uh, I wouldn't think where you'd want to have like two ledgers purporting to house the same private keys.
0: Okay. Um, let's kind of take that conversation into what happened over this weekend. If by chance any of the people that were affected by uh, the phishing of, of what it was, and we'll talk about kind of what we thought it was initially versus what it, it ended up being after um, after they did a little kind of uh, research into, into yeah. what was affecting these people's wallets that were getting cleaned out. But if these people's wallets that had access originally had um, security based in a ledger, in a in a hardware wallet, uh, mm-hmm. How would it have protected them in that that given situation?
1: Yeah, so in the specific situation where there was this social engineering attack, right, which is what it appears that it that it was. So it doesn't appear that it was a necessarily a vulnerability in any any of OpenSea's um, contracts or deployments. It appears as though this was a social engineering attack. Somebody sending out emails, right, that purported to be from OpenSea looked like they were from OpenSea and contained predatory links and predatory connections in those emails. Um, which, uh, so, so back to what we were discussing earlier, if you, let's say you arrive at, uh, whether it's this OpenSea situation or let's just say you find a project, it's new, somebody says, oh, you got to get in this Discord, it's the next blue chip, we're all going to be rich, and you have got that FOMO and you, and you want to go and you want to mint it, um, And you and you go to the landing page, and up in the corner you're going to connect your wallet, and then you're going to click a big button that's flashing, and it says Mint Now. It's the private secret Mint, and you're going to click Yeah, Mint Now. What's going to happen if you have a, a hardware wallet is you're going to click Mint, and your MetaMask or if you're using MetaMask or whatever you're using is going to say Hey, connect your Ledger, connect your hardware device to verify this. Right? You can't just click a button. You got to connect and verify. So you're going to connect, you're going to plug the USB in. If it's ledger, you're going to enter your pin and you're going to go through the transaction and you're going to verify it. What you've just done is you, you've signed and and basically authorized a smart contract transaction. You think it's, it's minting something because you clicked a button that has the word mint on it. But 99.9% of the time, people aren't actually looking at the smart contract. They don't they don't know what they've just authorized, right? They've been told that they're going to mint a cool new token. Well, the, the transaction you just authorized could have been a malicious transaction. It, it could say, you know, uh, transfer the contents of this wallet to somewhere else. And, and you might not know that, right? You, so, but but you, nevertheless, you thought you were minting something and you clicked sign message and you've authorized it. And so a hardware wallet after that point isn't going to protect you because what we're talking about at that point is, is somebody has, or something has misled you and and you've agreed to something without knowing what you've agreed to a hardware wallet's only going to add a barrier of protection to how you manifest your agreement. Once you've signed it once you've said, yes, do it, then whatever it is, will be done. Right. Mm -hmm. So in, in the case of this OpenSea debacle, right, and I, I don't know because I, I didn't have active listings. I, t- I tend not to leave things listed. I don't like to have a bunch of active authorizations out there. Um, but if, if you were to connect your wallet and you followed a link through a phishing email and you connected your wallet and you clicked some button and you signed some transaction, you would have used your hardware wallet to do that, to get to that point. But once you've done that, it would have afforded you really no extra protection because the authorization is now on chain and it's signed.
0: Can
2: I just step in here real quick, um, Tim? So are you saying that you can sign that authorization and basically they could transfer stuff to the smart contract out of your wallet, whether that be ETH or uh, NFTs without needing a seed phrase or anything at all, just through that simple authorization?
1: Well, the question is, right, what were you authorizing? Right. Did you, did you look at the code? Did you look at the, at the string that you're signing? Right. So there's this implicit trust that when you go to a page of an established project that you trust and you connect your wallet and you click to mint something, right. That you're, you're executing effectively, you're executing a function, you're authorizing, uh, and you're executing something on chain. What I was kind of saying is most folks don't know what that is. They're not actually looking at the code. They're not gonna go look at the smart contract and look at what inputs and outputs and look at what it's doing. So theoretically, right, somebody could make a, a landing page and make a button that says mint on it. But I mean, just because a button, a UI of a button says the word mint on it, that doesn't define the transaction you're authorizing. And so, which is and, and what we're getting at here is why you may hear some people who will say like, "Oh, I don't mint from my," you know, whether you use a hardware wallet or not, a lot of people will mint from a different wallet, right? And it's because if you're not taking the time to go in, you're kind of trusting. You're kind of trusting that when you mint a token, that their smart contracts not going to be malicious, and what you're what you're authorizing to happen is what they've said you're authorizing to happen. But, but really. Um, You know, it's a bit like, again, sorry for my bad analogies. I know these are really tortured, but back in, you know, this will show my age a bit too, like downloading an EXE file on your, on your computer right back in the day and launching that executable file. You, if it's somebody you trust, if it's a game, if it's something that you've downloaded to use, you're kind of trusting that that file is not going to do anything malicious to your computer right? You're kind of thinking, but it could, right? That's where viruses and that's how some viruses would be injected is people would download something.exe and they'd run it and it would purport to be a game, but it would really do a bunch of other funky stuff on their hardware into their system. Um, when you, when you interact with smart contracts, whether you're minting something, um, whether you're trying to sell or transfer something, you're, you're inputting commands and you're authorizing actions and you're authorizing things to happen. And you know, uh, you don't always necessarily know what you're authorizing, right? And that's just a reality because a lot of people aren't taking the time. And that's why it's important to work on you know projects with a good reputation and and if you're gonna mint something, make sure you're on the right page. Um, watch out for watch out for predatory copycat pages and things like that. You do have to be really attuned to that because um if somebody goes to uh, I'll, I'll reference one that had a ton, a ton 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 of scams was Adidas. So, you know, people were circulating links that were like secret Adidas mint dot world, right? Like that. I mean, that's not obviously that's not the official yeah. <laughs> page, but people could connect their wallet. Um, you know, people could uh, click a button that said mint Adidas NFTs, right? But they weren't, min- you know, they weren't minting Adidas NFTs, right? They were, there was some other contract that had been deployed that was predatory in nature, and they were interacting with that smart contract, and they were exposing their wallet, and they were, they were exposing themselves to risk when they did that. And having a hardware wallet doesn't stop that stuff happening once you've used it to authenticate. Once you've used it to say, yeah, do whatever that smart contract is going to do, I say that's A-OK. Once you've said that, you've said that hardware wallet or not it's going to happen
0: i, I, I guess,
2: guess but can i ahead. can i just follow up on that real quick so i guess um the one thing that i learned there is i was always under the assumption that really they would need your seed phrase to get something from you but it sounds like through a smart contract if you're signing something unknowingly they can go out and take whatever they want depending on how that's structured so that's that's good to hear so i'll definitely take that away from here But another question is, you know, it sounds like you can add a layer of safety by having a minting wallet. But nowadays, it seems like a lot of projects require you to verify through collab land or a different bot in a discord and say that discord, whether it was trustworthy at one time and somebody got it and hacked it. I've seen that happen with trustworthy discords or even a discord that maybe is malicious and you just don't know any better at the time. Um, realistically, you have to have those items in the wallet that you're going to verify. So unless you have one for each individual project, it seems like the way that the world is set up in the NFT space is you're going to go at all your stuff until, let's say, a hardware wallet to try to protect yourself and have a minting wallet. But then you go in and you you join to verify maybe a malicious project or one that's been hacked and now you're signing a contract, essentially, that it sounds like they could do the same thing and take your ETH and your, uh, your NFTs from you. Is there any advice you have outside of setting up a wallet for each individual um, account or, or project? And also to go along with that, I know in Metamask, I have four separate wallets. If one of those wallets gets compromised, since it's the same seed phrase, and I sign a contract, let's say in account one, can they also take stuff from account two, three, and four?
1: With just a with just a signature of a of a transaction, they shouldn't be able to cross right from one of your okay. metamask keys to another. Okay. Um, generally speaking, and what you're describing, and I hope nobody, I don't want people to leave here being super duper duper paranoid, but I do want you to be on guard. And what you've asked here. Um, I, w- I want to circle back and talk about that a bit, right? So why would Discord being compromised, right? Why is that such a big deal? And it's because of what you just hit on. The, the trust is there. So people feel comfortable taking actions. So um, you mentioned Collabland, right, and linking with Collabland. Well, if you have a hardware wallet um, and you want to grant access to Collabland to your stuff, you, you're going to need your hardware wallet for that. So you're going to click a collab land link, it's going to open in a browser, you're going to have to connect your ledger and you're going to have to sign the transaction with your ledger. If somebody's made a clone page imitating collab land and they've taken over a discord and they say, Hey, join our collab land and they drop a link and you click on it and you've never used collab land or you have, but whatever, you don't know if it looks any different or you don't, you know, you just kind of go and cause it, it, the reason that's such a big deal is because you just kind of trust, you're not going to be so careful because it came through an official announcement, right? So, you'll, yeah, oh yeah, I'll, I'll click the new collab land link. It says everybody has to re-verify Collabland. Boom. Plug in my ledger, type in my PIN, sign the transaction, right? Well, th- that's an example of of a way that people can still get to your assets, right? Because they can't get your your private key if you have a if you have a cold wallet. And they can't they can't, you know, get onto the they can't go onto a blockchain and change data right that's not going to work but what they can do is focus on social engineering focus on attacks that seek to exploit trust and focus on attacks that seek to exploit other emotions like FOMO and like um, well I mean lots of stuff so not only do you have the potential to be hit with like a rug pull when you have these things happen which is you are minting something, but the project is bunk. And it did mint, right? They didn't like clear your wallet out. you 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 did mint something. It just then everybody bailed and you're stuck holding the bag, and it's not really worth anything. That's one risk, but a different risk is that there's a, a an actual m- more malicious than just a rug pull, right? Somebody's written some malicious contract or somebody is trying to get you to sign a transaction. That is not what it purports to be, because, like I said, whether you have that hardware wallet or not, right? You've signed it. You signed it right there with your ledger. That was the barrier. That was the that was the added security, and you blew right through it because you trusted the 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 link or you trusted the page. Um, and so it's just important to be mindful. It's important to make sure that um if something seems suspicious, super urgent, somebody says, you have to do this right now. We're going to give away one ETH and you have to do this right now. Eh. I mean, really, like, you know, a lot of projects give you a day, give you a couple hour window to do stuff. They're going to, you know, they're going to give a, even longer, you know, some projects give you a week to claim stuff, multiple weeks. So I'd be, I'd be worried about anything um, coming through a Discord server, even an official one, if it seems like you have seconds or minutes to, to do something, I'd be a little suspicious. Um, I would also, you know, we, we kind of got, well, I got off track because, you know, if you guys don't stop me and ask questions, like I said, I'm going to ramble a bit here, but, um, I, you know, getting back to, uh, you know, projects that, that maybe aren't as trustworthy, right? Like minting from a different wallet in your MetaMask, you know, so you use a certain MetaMask wallet to mint and then transfer stuff right into a different one later, because then Um, if somebody gets a whole, if somehow in any way you've authorized something from the, from the first metamask that you used to mint, that's generally speaking, not going to translate over to, to the other one, right? Like you can, you can kind of separate it yourself. Um, the, the downside there is it's, it's gas too, right? Like, you know, I don't like that. I have to pay after i mint a project and I pay gas to mint it. And then I got to pay more gas to get it out of that wallet. Um, that's not great, but it's it's all risk balancing. Um, I'd be lying if I said i've ne- I'd never minted from my primary wallet, and I probably shouldn't. <laughs> you know, like I know I probably shouldn't, but it's 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 that risk. It's that comfort level. You kind of make decisions, right? Who you're doing business with, what websites you're doing business with, and and what your comfort level is. And you just kind of have to assess that. Um, I also know loads of very technical, super, super smart people. Who don't use a hardware wallet at all? They just don't. It, it's not a reflection. I don't think of like your. It, it doesn't reflect your your skill or acumen in the blockchain space. I don't think it it reflects intelligence in any way. I don't think it says anything about that. I think it just says something about um your risk tolerance, your comfort level, and you know if you feel comfortable with or without it. And that's a personal decision, right? Um. I I wouldn't want somebody to be like, oh, man, Tim said all this horribly frightening stuff. I'm never going to mint a project again. And then you miss out on something you would have super enjoyed. Like, I I don't want that to happen. I'm a big believer in the space and I want want it to grow and I want people to participate and I want projects to succeed. Um, But that's why I think doing stuff like this is important. And I think just understanding what could happen is important. It might make you look twice at a URL. It might make you look twice at a Discord announcement or an email you get. Um, and, you know, this is a good community. It's a quarter machine and and other communities, right? If if you get a weird email and it's from OpenC, you can be like, hey, did anybody else get this email from OpenSea? What's going on here, right? Generally speaking, people are going to try to be helpful or um, hey, is anybody else in the XYZ discord something? God, there was a weird announcement, right? Like, you know, if something looks odd, you could speak up and say it, but do that to a different place, right? In case it is that discord in case that discord is having issues. And those, I mean, unfortunately, they seem to happen, right? You, I've heard about decent sized ones, maybe monthly, right? I mean, it happens. But it, you know, it's it's not as though it's happening daily. So I think it's it's just going to be this is a, a new space, right? It's new technology. There's a lot of potential for fraud. There's a lot of potential for people who are really determined to take advantage of people, to have avenues to try that. And um, and I think a healthy dose of being on guard and just understanding the risks of these kind of everyday things we do now, understanding the risks of, um you know interacting with a new project that you've never interacted with. I <laughs> it's funny. Um so uh I, I mentioned Adidas, I'll go back to it again, um, just because that to me that was a, a really good case study. It was a really good thing to watch because there were so many new people brought into the space through that. And and it was really it was cool to see, but it was also it pointed out a lot of things, right? About um kind of how people who don't have a background, right, the, the learning curve they need. And, and I spent a lot of time in in the uh, Adidas uh, part of the Pixel Vault server right around Mint. and um. But anyway, so even me personally, uh, may have been a couple months ago now, Adidas finally tweeted that they set up their own Discord. They were, they were piggybacking on a project called Pixel Vault and it was a great long established project that was helping Adidas. And, you know, they said, oh, we finally have our own Discord. They had an invite. The invite was circulated through Adidas official Twitter. It was circulated through Pixel Vault's official announcements. And I still, like, was super, super, like, had my guard up, was afraid to interact with anything in it for, like, a week. Even though like eight different official sources were like hey adidas finally has its own discord here it is this is the real one it's finally moving out of the nest it's got its own place check it out i still didn't touch the collab land right away i i mean i almost didn't join it for a bit because you know after a few days if it were something weird i i would hear right but even hearing from two or three sources that i absolutely trust and then have some moniker of authenticity be it like a you know, Twitter verified Adidas account and Pixel Vault's official announcements, both, I was still like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna connect Collab Land yet. I don't know if I'm gonna Yeah. And and I think, I think that's it. I think that's such
2: good advice because going back to like using not use your primary wallet for minting almost sounds like a false sense of security. Cause if you're going to verify or join and through Collab land or something later on with your hardware wallet that has everything else on it all your projects on it that you move to realistically you just kind of protected yourself from the minting contract having uh, a malicious uh, set set of uh, coding in it whereas if you put everything into hardware wallet and you go to join collab land and it's a malicious contract you're basically still risking all of your assets being in that secondary wallet no
1: Right. And that's what I was saying. I don't want everyone to, this isn't meant to be doom and gloomy. I don't want everyone leaving here like, oh my gosh, super paranoid. This is the worst, but you're right. These are all different risk avenues. These are all different potential vulnerabilities that that one has. Right. And I did want to mention, we we were talking about comfort level with established projects and, um, and minting from a second wallet. And there was something I I wanted to get back to um, because you mentioned it earlier is, you know, projects that, not only ask you to connect with Collabland, but there are projects who will say, hey, if you hold a certain token, then we're going to whitelist you, right? Or we're going to say, or allow list, right? I hear allow list a lot, which I like too. So, you know, we're going to allow list you if you hold, you know, this other token. Um, Sometimes, right? What I don't like about that all the time is that if they do that, they, they often reward with that access, the wallet that was holding the token, right? Which isn't the wallet I like to mint from. So it's like, well, cool. You've put my wallet address on an allow list, but I really don't want to go and and use that. And I've actually passed on a project that I had allow list status on before because I didn't want to, I, I asked them, I said, will you change it? I said, can you, if I give you a different wallet address, will you give me access through a different wallet? To, and they said, oh, you know, Maybe we would, but it, you know, we had already had to get them over and, and, and there, there's some truth there, right? That that information needs to be set. And so they said, Oh, we can't change it now. And I said, that's cool. And I just didn't mint it because the only way I could have, even though I had access was to mint it through a wallet and I didn't know the project that well, and I just didn't do it. And that was my personal choice, right? I I actually know somebody who did and that's fine. Everything is fine. Right. But it was my decision. And I was like, eh, you know, I just won't do it. And and what I was trying to get out of that is, again, most of these communities are friendly. Most of them have good teams and they're supportive generally. And if there is time to make changes or accommodate certain people, um, they often do because I've had a different experience before, too, where I had allow list on a project and I pinged them mod and said, hey, you guys gave me this, speak- you know, I got I got on the allow list because I hold certain NFTs. That's cool. I appreciate y'all doing that. Can I give you a different wallet address? It's the wallet I would like to go and mint from. I don't want to mint from the wallet that you, that you checked. And they said, yeah, sure. What was the, what's the, you know, again, all public keys, never, ever, ever, ever share a private key or a seed phrase, but it was, you know, what's the public key of the wallet that we recognize and what's the, pu- you know, what's the wallet public key that you would mint from? And I sent it to them and they said, cool, we swapped it. You're good. And I was like, great, thank you. And then I can go and mint from my mint wallet right but the the point is people won't always do that you, you're going to have situations where even if you try to keep minting separate from other things separate from other 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 things right you can't always do that practically because somebody's going to say hey you can come claim a token based on tokens you already have and and you should feel okay doing that right but but it's but again have it, take your breath. Double check your URL, right? Double check the community, and, and make sure it's one that you're in and comfortable with, um, because it's not like a no, never do it. I would, I wouldn't say that, right? I would just say, if you're going to be interacting with with anything, just you know, don't get complacent. Don't stop checking links. Don't click on email links. And and I bring this up because open a lot of people click that OpenSea link, and I'm like, look, if that email had said it was from like Wells Fargo. Everybody would have known not to like. You know not to click on stuff like that. <laughs> Most people do, right? Like if you get a if you get a, an email that's like Nigerian prince, hey, <laughs> yeah. We're your bank. We're changing our debit card stuff over. Click this link in this email, and we're going to fix it up. Like I think fewer people would have clicked on it, but I, I don't know because it's because it's smart contract and there was a sense of urgency and it's open sea and it's like I don't know. I think people clicked on it that wouldn't have clicked on one that tried to be fishing and look like it was from a bank and I. You know, it's interesting, but, you know, just, just stay, just just keep your, you know, it's okay to keep your guard up and it's okay to, to mint, you know, and, and go to websites and connect your wallet and mint stuff. And it's okay to do that from your, you know, from your wallet where you keep your, you know, a couple of your NFTs and, and it's okay to, to do these things, but you know, the same rules, you just need to kind of always have that baseline guard level up. If You know, if there's a link in a Discord announcement and it looks at all different or they say it's different or they're updating something, that's fine. Just reach out to some mods officially or, um, you know, post to the community generally or, you know, ask somebody that you trust in the community. And again, it's little details. And so I don't I don't want any sense of paranoia. I just want people to keep that attention to detail as they navigate the space.
3: Um, if I may share, um, I posted a freaking essay in main chat, but it was a couple weeks ago on Super Bowl Sunday. There was this tweet and it was like, oh, this new hype project stealth drop in 30 minutes. And so I was like, oh, what's this? I had FOMO. I was like, you know, piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. It, it looked for like it was posted, retreated by some reputable looking Twitter account. I go in, the roadmap looks sick the you know the discord is popping off like literally hundreds of people joining everyone's super hyped and then you know i i meant cuz i'm like this is going to be an easy flip like easy win you know get in get out have some eth uh but it turns out you know 72 or like 48 hours later the discord's gone the website yeah. is still there and it was just a rug and you know i didn't i didn't lose that much But I did lose, and it's like, I don't have the, you know, I don't have the money to, like, be minting rugs and, like, getting scammed. And now it's like, you know, like, so I I just have to budget for the other mints that I do have my eye on. But it's like, even, even the websites, like, it looked legit. The project was legit. There's an actual listing on OpenSea, but, you know, they just rugged, and... Now I've got like these bunk NFTs in my wallet.
1: Yeah, no. And it's so first of all, like, thank you for sharing that. Right. I, I am a big fan of sharing experiences like that. Again, I don't think they reflect anything about anybody. I will also fully admit I've minted projects that have rugged. Um, I minted one that I didn't think would. Right. It happens. It's it's not it's it's kind of a reality of the space and sometimes they're intentional. Like this one sounds like it was intentional, right? Because of the timing. Sometimes they're not even intentional. I don't think. And, and I've, I've, again, I kind of try to hang around in servers and watch stuff. And, you know, I've seen some where I think like, Oh my gosh, day one, I'm in there. I'm like, Oh, this is going to rug. And I'm going to, I'm going to lurk in here and watch it. I want to watch how these people reassure. I want to (laughs) watch this behavior. Right. And then like, Few months go by and it gets built out and I start seeing art and I'm like, oh, I mean, maybe not, right? But then there's other times. Not a rug, where,
3: even though there were these red flags and it totally yeah. looked like a scam.
1: Yeah, and, and that can happen, or maybe I mean, but then again, right? It's like that that little. I just want everybody here to have that little voice all the time that says, check that one more time. That's it, right? Not never do it. That's different, but you know, check that one more time. And, um, when you make a decision to mint a project, a hype project like that, I think that that's part of the calculus that everyone should go through is, is this is effectively, I'm going to try to make money on a quick flip. This is going to be easy money if I get it and I'm going to lose it if I don't. Right. You need to have that. I think you need to have that as part of the calculus I think you need to understand that that's kind of the the moonshot you're going for if you're going to participate in hype projects. I, right. um, I haven't, right, I haven't done very many of those. Um, and like I said, I, and I also, one, one thing that I do sometimes is I do participate in projects that are quasi derivative, sometimes meaning like, maybe it's like a so, you know, a group that owns a bunch of Bored Apes and they turn them into different artwork and, you know, like sometimes th- those those are easy targets for people, um, you know, I think because they they try to ride this, this uh, the validity the of training. Yeah. It's hype and it's like accidental association, right? Because, I mean, honestly, because this is so early, we're all early to the space here, and there are people who honestly would see like, I'm trying to think. I don't know the names of some of these projects that weren't super, you know, legit. But like baby board apes and like board ape housewives and stuff. They don't know that those aren't related to Yuga Labs. They don't know that those aren't part of the same thing. They don't really understand why board apes were even so successful, and so they just think, "Oh, cool, I'm going to make a bunch of money." And they don't really understand why they may or may not, and what went into it. And so those projects, I think, have a higher degree and and the um. One of the projects that I was in that that was a rug pull was a kind of derivative art blending project that wasn't officially associated with either of the projects that it purported to kind of be, Be you know, I guess. And they were just pen, riding the hype in each one. one. Yeah, and I knew, right? I'm like, okay, well, either this will be a thing for a minute and it'll have a quick moment or... <laughs> or won't right and i i went you know i was like ah whatever you know i'll give it a go and sure enough pff, you know dropped like didn't mint like i think i was like only like two people minted after me like i must have been late in the people getting taken like you know what i mean like i felt i was like ah oh, geez come on but <laughs> so I, nobody I was minting realize it was <laughs> yeah hard. Right, right. And it's like, you know, you go into those because it, it is, it's like a, well, no, but maybe like they're just waiting to put the word out and we all get to get in early, right? The people really, really feed on FOMO. And the problem is that's the same emotion that would normally drive somebody to dive into something that could potentially be really cool, right? It's it's kind of the same feeling and people kind of find a way to take advantage of it. Right. So, um, you know, it, it's difficult to parse out and, I think as long as like as long as people like and I'm going to repeat this over and over and over again because I feel like when we have these conversations right a lot of people are like well I'm just never going to connect my wallet to anything and it's like well I don't want I don't think that's the right answer um, and I think just like with anything else just like if you're going to send a payment online or you're going to give someone a credit card number or you're going you know you give somebody anything that could affect your money your that that part of your life you d- you just double check the digits you double check who you're sending this to you double check the the reality and and again like i i worked in banking for years um and and no matter what right no matter how much people would talk about it and no matter how much people might think it sounds silly on the outside people would come in you know monthly maybe even weekly and be like hey I got this call and and they said it was the IRS and they said that I was going to get arrested if I didn't pay them right then. And the only way I could I could pay them is I, I went and I bought these gift cards from, you know, the grocery store and I scratched them off and I read them the codes on the back. And, and now I'm afraid, like, I shouldn't have done that. And, you know, like, you know, because obviously, right, like now looking back, like, obviously the IRS isn't taking like... Apple gift cards is payment, right? Like, oh my gosh, how do I, how do I get that money back now? And it's like, well, well you you don't, right? Like, I, I mean, that that's the harsh reality that they've engineered it for you to pay them in a way where, where you can't do anything about it and you can't trace it very well. And, and again, I, I like talking to people who've been through stuff like that, because I don't want people to feel there's a stigma there, right? Like, I think people are afraid, if they say this happened to me, that people are going to think like, oh, well, pfft, like, wh- what a fool, right? Like, but that's not right. Like, people prey on these emotions, they make you feel a certain way. That's social engineering. That's what that's what happens that sense of urgency that, hey, stealth right? right there. I hate those words. <laughs> right. Pro- legitimate projects with good, good, good backers run multi-month-long marketing campaigns. Why would some totally unknown with an undoxed, you know, unknown project, undoxed team, but you think you're like so much more popular than like A-list celebrities and their whole marketing budget that you can stealth mint something out and they go through like a 60-day marketing campaign and still may not sell it, right? Like right to me it's like that so stealth mint right there, like I'm like, ooh, I might be out unless again, unless I'm going well Red flag. am I gonna am I gonna roll the die? <laughs> am I gonna try to get a quick you know and and this is this is a personal thing I'll share, right. But again, this is no judgment, no advice, no anything. I tend not to do those anyway. and, and I'm gonna share why and this is gonna come out in a way. Where somebody might infer that I'm like casting judgment on them, and I promise you I'm not because everybody can do, can do things themselves. But anytime you participate in a transaction like this on, on chain in a secondary market like OpenSea, it's a two sided transaction. And what I, what I mean by that and why I want that to sink in is because anytime somebody makes money or anytime somebody loses money on OpenSea, there's another person on the other side of that. So If I buy, if I mint something at 0.05 and it shoots up to 0.8 and I dump it and then it collapses, somebody else was on the other side of that. Somebody paid 0.8 and now they have nothing, right? And, and to me, right? Like, I, I don't know. I think about that, right? And on the one hand, it's the business, it's the market, it's the way it works and it's an opportunity. And that's why I was saying it's not a judgment call. It's a personal call for me, right? I, I just don't. Well, to me, and there's, there's to continue that further. Like, how
3: do you make sure to keep emotions out of it and do your due diligence? Like, what are the, what are the things you want to be doing when you're minting and like getting into these projects so you're not minting on emotion and FOMO, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and so yeah, right. So what you said right there was a was a good part of it, right? Don't don't mint purely on FOMO. Now again, it's hard to, to pull out because sometimes you're FOMOing on a project that is legit, and you feel that because you know it is going to be legit, and it is legit, and then it, you don't get it, and then you kick yourself, right? But you need to separate that from other emotional um, decisions, and you need to recognize that people should. Um, You know, people are going to try to prey on that emotion. And so what I do, I mean, there are certain things you can look for um, when you're looking at, at, you know, projects, whether it's minting or whether it's getting deeper with a project or whatever. Um, You know, I do look at a team. I think team's really important. I think that, uh, you know, being associated with like having a clear connection to an established like company or brand is a good sign. Doesn't always mean you know, hundred percent things are good, but that's a good sign, right? If yeah. you're just, like, is, general is the parent product.
3: company legit? Are the people yeah. doxed? Like, do they have product? What's the track record?
1: Yeah, right, okay? right. That's, yeah, that's good. good. Yeah. doxed. is another great here. thing to bring up, right? Is at least, or at least the leadership doc, like maybe not everybody has to be or whatever, or maybe they're kind of soft doxxed. Maybe they're doxed If you poke around a bit and, you know, been people know who they are, like, um, I was talking to Tom about that a minute ago, right? Like I was like, oh, I could probably throw my face on, right? I don't use my name on here, but I'm also not like nobody knows who I am, right? Is I'm just kind of in the middle. Like people know who I am, and I'm not keeping it a secret. So I think you know what you want to do is be able to, you want to be able to know who you're dealing with. That's one. I also look at the roadmaps. I, I look at the utility, and I make a judgment call, right? Because if somebody's promising that they're going to have a video game that's going to, you know be like a Diablo killer, like, it's going to be this incredible game, and I look, and they're like, not a company that I can tell, and so they're not like a game development studio, and they don't seem to have that. It's like, are you... How are you going to make that? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you're saying you've got this roadmap for this game, and it's going to be incredible, and it's going to be the, like, game-changing thing, and blah, blah, and it's like, how, how are you... Um... Like, how are you going to execute on that? And so I run that by a sanity check. Usually that's a good thing to do. Um, So if somebody says, hey, we're going to start with some, you know, we're going to start with some comics. We're going to start with some books. We're going to start with, uh, you know, some games. We might do some video. Like that stuff seems like it could pass a sanity check, right? And you you hope people follow their roadmaps. I also look at that. If um, a project has a mint date and it keeps getting kicked out, but the price keeps going up. That's a red flag. If their roadmap looks like something that I'm like, man, that would take like a proper, like backed company with a lot of money to execute on, then I poke around a bit more. Like, do they have the resources to do what they're saying? Because, because the reason their price is what it is is the hype of their promise, and so you kind of can assess, right? Like, how good is, how, you know. It, if it's just like three dudes and you don't know who any of them are and there's no indication that there's anybody backing them and, and there's no indication that, and what they're promising is like, you know, earth shattering. It's just a, you know, it's just a little bit of a red flag to me is all. So.
4: So the question I have is, <clears throat> so if you accidentally find yourself, uh, minting something that turns out it's a scam and you realize it, what are the first steps that you should do? your wallet and such after that because it's probably good to know that before that happens versus panicking after
1: yeah no that's a good point so you can um you know if you're concerned about something you can move assets out of your wallet into a different one so you could move things from one metamask wallet into another if you're afraid that your wallet might have been compromised or linked to a bad account um i've I've done that before it sucks because you pay money (laughs) (laughs) to do it but um but I've but I've done I've done that before right I've been like you know hey I don't I don't know um I got you know a weird vibe or I connected to something and I was like you know what even things that might seem legitimate you know I'm trying to remember what it was so I could share it with you is it 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 enough to
3: disconnect your wallet from the websites or is it like people can save your address and still like Maliciously request and like initiate transactions. You know, I would
1: I would recommend disconnecting from sites that you're not actively engaging with anyway. And do, do you if I guess we're we're audio only, but if you if you don't know how to do that, let me tell you all what I mean. When you go to a website that you've connected with before, um, and you've like connected to Mint or you've connected to do something, when you land on that site and you open up, if you're using MetaMask or a similar extension, you're gonna open up your extension and you're gonna see a little green um, connected, a little green dot that says connected next to your wallet's name, the nickname of your wallet. You can click on the word connected and then it's gonna open up a little thing that says, hey, you have an account connected to this website and you can click the little three dots next to your wallet and you can click disconnect, disconnect this account from this website. That's a good practice. I think people should do that when they're done doing stuff on a site. Um, I don't, you know, I don't always do it for everything. Um, I don't like disconnect from OpenSea every time I'm done looking around on OpenSea, for example. But um, if I go to a page that I'm like, usually never at, and I'm going there to mint something and I connect and then I mint, I will disconnect when I'm done minting. Um, If I'm going to claim something, if I'm going, you know, I mean, it's just a good practice. I don't think that necessarily even has to do. Again, I'd kind of analogize uh, that to like, you know, signing out of your online bank when you're done, right? It's not like if it's your own computer, you know, it's not the end of the world, right? It'll probably, you know, be fine. But but I think that's a good practice. So if people aren't doing that, I think it's fine to do. And then all you have to do to undo that is just reconnect, which you can do again, right? In MetaMask, you can click right on it and you can click where it says not connected and you can click connect. So.
3: It's
4: not going to, to hurt you to do that in most do you cases. Go and revoke. Um, say say you did that, you went to a website, you were in a hurry, you clicked mint, hypothetically, and it just sent ETH somewhere, didn't mint, and you were worried of what else you just did. Do you also go and revoke um and see what's connected and go through that process too? Or what's your thoughts um, on that?
1: Yeah. So once a transaction's and maybe I didn't understand your question, but once a transaction has been successfully processed, right, you can't really revoke it. If you're talking about a listing though, um, I, I mentioned this before and, and it's not because I had this like crazy good foresight and I'm like, Ooh, I was right. Um, but I don't like to list things that I'm not looking to sell imminently. A lot of people will list stuff and they'll list it for like a way high amount or what seems like a way high amount. They just like, I don't, I honestly don't know why. I don't know why people maybe because having them listed at high amounts they think is good optics for a project. I I don't know. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I don't like to list things on LooksRare or OpenSea unless I'm properly looking to sell it and I'm actually putting the price I'm willing to take and I want it to happen pretty imminently. Um and and it's partly because I don't want to have a bunch of authorizations floating around, right? That that say, "Hey, I want this to happen if because what that looks like, in effect, is I'm signing today that if X, then Y, and I'm I'm agreeing right now, right, well, I might forget about that, circumstances may change, a project may get revitalized, or there's more hype, and then I got to remember to go and revoke that authorization, and and I have to do it. I have to take an affirmative step to revoke it, and I don't really like that. Um, and and again, it's my and I I sit, I had that qualification in there because I'm not trying to see like oh I was super smart about this, but I think that's a lot of what has been biting people with looks rare and with some open seas migration is that it's these old authorizations people who like listed their board ape for 10 ETH way back in the day. Uh, because it was like one and they authorized it, but then they like disconnected and they maybe thought they canceled it and they didn't ever see that authorization again. And now somehow with this migration, those are reactivating and, and people are executing on them, right? Because they're the minimum bid is well above it. And so boom, it happens, right? So I think, again, it's just being conscientious that, that this stuff is new, it's exciting, um, but you don't want to treat it like... Um, you know, like a super, super, super efficient, well built out like 30 year old infrastructure because it just isn't, you know, you can't, you can't treat it like, you know, placing and managing an elaborate, like, you know, stop gap, stop loss, limit order tier that you might build in on like E-Trade or something like the infrastructure just isn't that yet. And so you 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 know, you know probably don't want to treat it that way, if that makes sense. And I'm seeing now, I, I wasn't in main chat. I was in a different chat. So it looks like a couple of folks had pinged me and said they had some questions. And thanks for doing that, because as I've already said, I'll talk nonstop if you don't stop me. So to your credit, you were trying, and I didn't see you. So whoever that, I think it was, who did we have? Friendly reviewer, maybe, and I know Lord just talked, but... Anybody with a question? Yeah, i have just button in when I need to. <laughs> good.
0: Okay, well perfect. That's that's all good. So I don't yeah. want to keep you for too much longer either Tim, but I do have <clears throat> I do have one question or maybe it's something that we can kind of tag on to with this group of people or maybe show like find engage the interest within the community. But essentially what it comes down to is understanding what we're looking at and what we're signing and that would come with understanding how to read a, a smart contract. Is that something that can be taught or at least walk through or, or show key steps in understanding what we would be looking at with signing smart contracts? Um, something we th- could probably do with the community in the future?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think yes and no, right? Like, I mean, I don't feel like everybody should feel a compulsion to, to have to do that, if that's fair, right? Like, uh, what I'm getting at is I'm a big believer that this technology needs to be... Um, accessible right i i want it to get to a point where we're not worrying about all this rather than trying to get to a point where everybody feels like they have to be like a level two software developer to function safely <laughs> um or whatever right i don't know i was trying to re- i was really going for a golden eye poll you know yeah. <laughs> where, where she's on the guidance system i was going for that i couldn't remember it i blew the joke but Sorry. um it, i i think um you know, I, I think we could, we definitely should, we'll keep these going. This subject matter, I, I think is good. I hope people are finding it valuable and enjoyable. And I, and I hope it's not coming across as doom and gloom. I'm trying really hard not to, but uh, I think we can keep it going. I think we can have best practices and standard tips. Um, a couple of things to keep in mind. Um, a lot of great projects use fairly open source contracts. A lot of this stuff is very transparent um, it, it is kind of a matter of knowing how to look at it, but even then, guys, like I'm not gonna lie, I don't go read full smart contracts before I mint every pro. You know what I mean? Like it's just not, it's not practical. And some people might, and that's great. Um, I use proxies. Like uh, I'll, I'll look at teams. I'll look at roadmaps. I'll wait until people have engaged with a project for a little while. Sometimes I miss out on alpha. Sometimes I miss out on stuff because I wait a little while. Um, usually, well-established projects are going to be there, right? Like you know, they'll be there, and so you're not you know missing out too much on certain things by by taking that approach. And I think all, all I if I could give everybody one takeaway, right, it would be just just keep your guard about you. If something seems too good to be true, if it seems secret, right, that's a red flag. Nothing should be secret. This is a marketing move right this whole space is hype and marketing and having your the word get out there so your project can blow up you know like the worst way to do that not tell anybody about it (laughs) so like if you're the only one who knows according to this thing right like that's a red flag and and why you like why is someone telling you this and you know there, there's all sorts of stuff in there and there are discord servers that i've joined and i'm like this whole server could be like an elaborate social engineering job for all i know right like just whipping people up like rug pull servers and stuff like people may have seen and and we've talked about um just just keep your wits about you use your the same common sense you would if if you get an email from OpenSea. Treat it like it would be an email that somebody says that that they're your bank. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't click a link and put in your credit card number and your social security number through an email. So don't put your keys and don't don't sign transactions through an email, right? Um, but I've I've gotten some advice, and maybe this is overkill, but it's like
3: someone told me that they don't they don't buy into any project unless they've already done ten hours of research through the white papers, and. I don't yeah. know, maybe that's a little overkill, but it's like better safe than sorry.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point, right? So white papers can be useful tools. Um, they can be simple. Some are simple and fun to read. Some are super technical and hard to read. Um, some pro- A lot of projects don't need them. Um,
0: a can lot sharing
1: N- what white papers are? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. So it's usually a summary of the economics behind a token project. It's going to talk about token supply, token economics, what you know, what events might cause tokens to be put into or removed from circulation. How much of a token supply is going to be held in a treasury? How much is going to go to developers? How much is going to go to community? Um, it's going to talk about the tech a little bit. It's going to talk about the utility. Like, what is this for? How is it going to work? Why is there going to be demand for this to be exchanged? Um, that's kind of a, a, a summary of what one would expect to find in a white paper. Another common term is light paper. Um, that's basically what I just said, but maybe on a page or two and with way less detail. I think a lot of NFT projects feel the need to put something up and call it a white paper. I don't know if a lot of NFT projects need one. Um, they're not. They, they're not trying to create an entire elaborate economy like like a like a, ma- like a fungible token with hundreds of millions of tokens in supply with this like metered you know, supply management mechanism and whatever, whatever. I think it's, um, I think NFT projects for me, I I would even say like a light paper or a roadmap are good things to review. Team is a good thing to review. Do a little vetting. I've tried to find people on LinkedIn before, right. Just see who they are. Um, that stuff's all good. Do your, do, do some research. Um, I've also had projects that and again, I will fully admit I over I not overpay because I'm paying for the reduced risk. But there are projects that I haven't minted. And I've just waited and bought on OpenSea, honestly, because I didn't want to interact with the page. And I was like, well, I'll just buy one. I'll just wait and I'll buy one on OpenSea, right? It's not a great financial, (laughs) right? Like I'm not, I'm obviously paying more. If I do that, it's gonna be closer to the public price. Sometimes I don't get it. Um, And learning how to try and time those, right? Like a lot of people will buy post reveal because there's this saying that like, there's always a big dip after reveal. Um, You can try to time entry points into projects through OpenSea if you're not comfortable minting though, that's an alternative. Uh, because you've there's now been time for the project to mint and happen and you can kind of see what's going on um, So there are a few things you can do and, and the best way like I said to look at this is not binary. It's not I'm gonna do anything or nothing. It's this kind of spectrum. It's a spectrum of risk and comfort and What you should do is you should use tools. You should leverage tools um, that, that help you but you should know their limitations And you should, I think right now, some of the biggest things to be aware of are actually just phishing and social engineering. I think that that's way, way more of a potential um, vulnerability than like your wallet, right? I think it's a, a person being susceptible to getting swept up in FOMO or hype. That's way easier and cheaper to manipulate than trying to get somebody's private key. Or manipulate a bat, you know, smart contract. It's way easier to just make
4: someone feel like they're going to regret it forever if they don't click a button, right? Something, well said. That, yes. Something maybe for a future one, like Tom was saying about contracts. Maybe something easier would be is just examples of MetaMask signing and mm-hmm. what what various uh, things look like of what we're actually signing would be maybe an interesting one.
1: Yeah, that could be really interesting. And maybe talking about like, um, because I'm sure most people in here, maybe not everybody, but most people in here have probably confirmed something through MetaMask, right? Whether you minted your quarter machine NFT or whether you bought one on OpenSea or maybe you're, you know, maybe you're not a holder yet, but you want to be and you haven't done those things yet. But I think... um, Yeah, I think that could be helpful in talking through kind of what you're doing and and that's why I was saying right What what's happening is you're being prompted to authorize something and saying hey sign this agree to do this right? You you submitted Basically you submitted something that said I want X to happen and they're saying so confirm that right and again if you don't really know what X is then it doesn't. Then confirming it's irrelevant. Like it's like you're just signing a blank check, right? If you yeah. if you don't know. And and I'm again. It's not to say that you have to know and you have to go look through and read the contract. Which maybe remind me for this too, because we're going a little over time. But um, another thing I could do is not that I think anybody here should know how to read this, right? But I could show people how to. Maybe just peek around Etherscan a bit, look at transactions, just kind of bring yourself up on some of the tools that are out there to look around. You can find most smart contracts. People publish the address of their contracts, um, and you can find them, and you can look at the code. A lot of this is open source. It's not, you know, not everything is, but a lot of it's open source. And so um, projects that have transparency, that's that's a good sign, right? Projects that don't, that's a bad sign. So... Um, Yeah, I think it's just a matter of to to wrap up my conclusion to conclude the epilogue of my conclusion. Um, this is this is kind of a, a spectrum of risk and reward and, and and your own personal comfort level and you're the only person who can decide what you're comfortable with and what you're not. And and that's how you should approach this: is with a healthy dose of skepticism and an eye toward detail. If a URL looks wrong, it probably is. If An email looks funky, even if it doesn't look funky and you're like, ah, why am I clicking a link in an email? Everybody here's not to do that, right? Probably don't do it. So just keep those eyes, keep your wits about you and, and understand that this is kind of a new and speculative space and you can never be risk-free. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of what it is right now. And the best you can do is be safe and, and keep true to your, what you feel comfortable with. If everybody's pressuring you to mint something, or you're going to miss out, it's okay to not.
0: If you're not comfortable with it, you know. Yeah, Tim, well said, man. Thank you so much. Um, I, <clears throat> I for one, really enjoyed this. Uh, I look forward to doing it again. I don't know if it's something we'll do weekly, but uh, we can definitely plan out for a little bit in the future, um, and then maybe we'll set up like a uh, we'll set up like a thread so you guys can ask questions that are related to uh safety securities uh and the, these more technical questions that we can pose to you uh the next time we do have one of these uh these little uh hangouts the other thing we can do is also share screens so if you do want to uh break down uh contracts and kind of show us back end either scan how to navigate that that's something we can totally do too
1: yeah no i'd be happy to so um yeah I would be happy to. So we'll plan on it again soon. And thanks, everybody, for the gratitude. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to do it.
0: I love the community. And, and with that, I'm going to gonna bounce. But thanks, awesome. everybody. Awesome. Guys, thanks so much for coming and hanging out. And um, I'll see you guys back in Maine. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Thank you, everybody. Uh... To be a part of future live recordings, head to quartermachine.io and join our